When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? This is uh, Matt Carter back with Matt Co. MC Squared Podcast for the Wolfpacker.com. We're here to talk, obviously, about uh, NC State destroying Duke. You can use whatever adjective you want to use, but it was a, it was a curb stomping on uh, Wednesday night at PNC Arena. But before we really dive into that too much, just a couple of quick reminders. One, please go support our sponsors, Rogue Shop. Com. They have all your natural cannabis needs. Uh, if you're suffering from uh, sleep deprivation, maybe you got some chronic pain or uh, suffer from anxiety, um, all of those are, are serious things that these, uh, that some of these natural supplements might be able to help you out. It's a, it's a small business, small company, husband and wife team, husband is a former uh, husband, his name is Richard, former disabled uh, war veteran. So he, he's a big believer in his own product. Uh, go to their website. They have a chat function where they actually talk to you. Um, and they're also on our message board if you have any questions. So also, please go check out our YouTube page. We'll have the podcast up on there. If you want to watch John Shire talk about the loss last night, first uh, year Duke head coach. His, his press conference is up there. If you want to watch Kevin Keats celebrate him uh, with his press conference, it's up there as well. Uh, we're up to 1.8 thousand subscribers on YouTube. So, you know, the goal was to get 1,000 when it started. So we're trying to see if we can get to 2,000. Uh, last night, uh, but not least, please sign up for the website. Could be some breaking news coming soon uh, from the transfer portal. A couple of big-time targets visit him. They were on at the they were at the game last night. I'm told, so, and also there was a basketball recruit in 2024 class and state kid that was at the game and offered. So um, it's a deal. You can get uh, about eight, almost nine months of the Wolfpacker, eight months at the Wolfpacker for 29.99. So that's like eight months for the price of three right now if you sign up. So all right, got that all out of the way. Record time, so we can get right into. Duke, NC State. I know Matt Coe has watched this game a couple of times in addition to being at the arena. Uh, so we're going to break down the game. But I wanted to start with just your big picture, Matt. I mean, you were there. You witnessed it. We talked before the game. You get For those that, that don't know, Matt Coe travels from Greensboro and gets to games really, really early. <laughs> So he may have been like the third person in the arena last night. Um, so you took it in from start to finish, and even before, but we were talking beforehand about expectations. After you and I both knew that Jack Clark was not going to play, um, that, that kind of became a secret that got out before the game started. Um, but we we're talking about it. And we sit, we happen to be courtside when Isaiah Miranda walks out in street clothes and sits on the bench while teammates were getting their first shots up. So 
you might have expected a blowout, but not what you saw last night. So I just want your big picture thoughts. Uh, just unfolding, what's going through your mind? Yeah, uh, to speak on the showing up early thing, I credit that to my dad uh, growing up. If we had a game at 9 in the morning, travel baseball, we were there probably around 6 or 6.30. Um, <laughs> you got to be prepared. If, you, if you're on time, then you're late. So I like Gosh. to get places real, real early and take it all in. Um, my, my first thought is just what an electric atmosphere. And honestly, after the game, I just kept saying to myself, what the hell just happened? <laughs> I mean, because that's, that's one of those college basketball games that, A, makes no sense but b makes perfect sense because we had and no discredit to keep to the team we had business being in this game let alone blowing them out i know me and you talked before the game that you know jack clark wasn't going to be there and then it comes out the team tweets out that uh the athletic department tweets out that clark is going to be out indefinitely and that's going to leave a big hole in the roster and the depth and, and how Keats manages to keep this thing afloat. I mean, kudos because God, that guy just has such bad luck when it comes to injuries, but you're without your top two rebounders. Duke is arguably the best rebounding team in the country and, and or not in the country, excuse me, in the conference. And you're leading in that margin at the half and then you tie it up in the game that that just doesn't make sense that's where college basketball is just the weirdest sport in all uh but i i just was speechless at the effort on defense that's that's the number one thing that i took from this the effort on defense the effort on rebounding and hey like we said best backcourt in the acc jarkel joiner jerkwavion smith two superstars yeah i think you hit on two points i really wanted to hit on but before we do that you mentioned the atmosphere you know, quite a few tweets. Uh, a lot of people taking pictures of the crowd right mm-hmm. before tip-off or right at the starting lineup would be introduced. And, and to be fair, those pictures painted a picture. It was a late-arriving crowd. Yeah, uh, I felt that it, you know, it was not packed to the right. rim. But I felt that was kind of like a little bit unfair. I think there should have been some follow-up. Uh, okay, the crowd is filled out relatively nicely. You know, what, 15,000, uh, you know, four-fifths full, maybe? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 thought I would it say was like 70, 75% kind of full, maybe 80%. Yeah. Look, I when I got home, I watched the end of the uh, UNC Wake Forest game. I saw a boatload of empty seats in Chapel Hill mm-hmm. as well. So I, I, I just wanted to get that off my chest. I kind of felt like those pictures of the crowd, yeah. If you're going to tweet it out at the beginning of the game, follow up midway through the first half and say, well, you know what? Yeah. It filled out a little bit more than I thought. But I did think the crowd played a factor. I don't I don't think Duke handled it well at all, which is something we talked no. about. Yeah, yeah. You had mentioned that, you know, first-time head coach coming into PNC. Obviously, like, there is some magic or enigma <laughs> that is around Duke going to PNC. It, we are their kryptonite for some reason. <laughs> right. And and six and it's nine, happening. Six of nine. I mean that's ridiculous. And and <laughs> I'd argue in every single one of those games we were probably favored maybe once. Um and that's being generous. <laughs> so um like you said the crowd I, I want to make sure that fans understand this because I feel like a lot of fans want to say oh this is a maybe a Keats thing like fans are sending a message. I took it more so as you've got a new head coach. So there's not that 
quote-unquote hatred for right. Duke as there was with Coach K. So that rivalry still needs time to kind of bake. It's in the oven right now, right? The cake needs to, to bake a little bit. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then on top of that, we're in a weird era of college basketball where the average fan could get by 20 years ago, right? The, the, the top tier of college basketball in, in my lifetime was that early 2000s sprint where fans, especially in the triad, were super, super engaged. Now you're going through this transition period of you've got teams with an entire new roster. I mean, LSU completely changed coaches and roster and <laughs> just like that. Yeah. So, I mean, and so, so there's that disconnect from fans to a, a team standpoint. And that's just the way college basketball is now. Um, so I, I definitely agree with what you're saying that, yes, it wasn't a jam-packed arena like we're used to seeing. But like you said, that crowd was into it. And especially – when big man DJ Burns got the ball, <laughs> yeah. that was probably the best part of the entire game. <laughs> yeah. New crowd favorite. I love what Kevin Creech said after the game. Uh, you know, everybody loving on that DJ Burns and forgetting that the oh, guards. Yeah. Let's talk about these guys because they really did. Do I thought Burns gave him a spark right when he came in the game, kind of loosened up the offense because they, yeah. yeah, yeah, Duke wasn't scoring, but so wasn't NC State. It was scoreless for the first what. 316 of the game. There was 0 0 before mm-hmm. NC State uh, broke broke the ice and then ended up going up 20 to 2 midway through the first half. There are a lot of things about this game we're going to talk about, but I think number one is just have to acknowledge feels strange to say this. NC State has an elite backcourt, especially when the shots are falling. Duke has a, I don't know. Is it an average backcourt? I don't even know. I mean, I, seeing them in person, I don't even know if that's an average backcourt for the ACC. They didn't. They didn't have that heavy, heavy punch, that haymaker of a punch. I feel like with this roster, I feel like it's it's a completely different roster than we're used to. We're used to seeing Duke just chuck up a lot of threes. Now they're more so inside presence. Filipowski had an ugly game. Um, I was I was interested to see what Derek Whitehead would do with Jack Clark being out, who was going to guard him. And he had a couple of shots here and there in the second half that, I mean, by that time, NC State had just, you know, busted the lead wide open. That yeah. It just didn't matter. But I thought that he had some nice moments. But outside of that, nobody really impressed me. I, I, I've not been a huge fan of Jeremy Roach going into the season. I feel like he's definitely played better than what he's been advertised. But he's still not the – that uh that that lead yeah that lead veteran guard that can kind of take on that captain role and uh and and really showcase and doesn't have to be a focal point on the offense but now i feel like he he might need to be because surrounding him really isn't those heavy hitters that we're so used to seeing with this duke squad yeah and when you talk about smith and joiner you're talking about two alpha dogs out there they believe in themselves They're very competitive. Shot might not always fall. And we got recency bias. They played unbelievable last night. But let's not forget, against Clemson, neither one of them could buy a bucket. Um, So they're going to have those type of nights. But when they're on, they're elite. And they're alpha dogs. And I felt like you felt like the Duke players just kind of shrunk from that. Like they imposed their will on Duke. And you just don't see that very often, but it's also a testament to the kind of backcourt that NC State has this year, which is something you've been 
tweeting about what mm -hmm. mid late November it became obvious to you this was a high level backcourt yeah I I started to get that sense early on in the season I didn't want to just put all my my chips into the center <sighs> of the table because we were playing a little bit lesser competition but after that Coppin State game in Reynolds, I just flat out asked them, are you guys the best backcourt in the ACC? And they said, yeah. And I think that everybody's kind of catching on now. And, and um, I, what more can be said? I mean, Terquavion Smith just got nominated for uh, the Wooden Award watch list. So and, – and I'm going to throw this at you. And maybe we're just kind of caught up in the moment right now. So just take this with a grain of salt. When you think of great NC State players, obviously you think of David Thompson, TJ Warren, right? Those are the two in my mind that, that come together like right off the bat, right? And you can throw out Rodney Monroe and Corchiano. That's fine. But in my opinion, the top two are those two. Without all the accolades, without the awards, because college basketball is a different game now, is Terquavion Smith, does he belong in that? category i mean because this kid's a really really special player i don't think he's there just quite yet but if he were to get these accolades i don't see why not you can't just put him in, in that conversation yeah I, it's a good question you know i you really want to go back to the older days it's kind of hard because i think there's some generational aspect of it too you know the older fans would point out to uh you know some of the older guys in the 50s that were you know that built the program of NC State that were All-American, Savlick, Ronnie Savlick, mm -hmm. um, those kind of guys. And then, of course, you had David Thompson and Tommy Burleson probably in that upper echelon. And then, then you got some underrated guys like Kenny Carr that doesn't, that doesn't get a lot of love, but he was a, considered an elite. He was, I believe he was the first player to leave college basketball early to go pro. Yeah. Um, Julius Hodge is up there. Um, ACC Player of the Year, but you know TJ won with ACC Player of the Year. I think if Tequavion becomes ACC Player of the Year, he gets into that grouping with Warren and Hodge and and, and those types of you know, particularly because we have to understand in today's era, if you have an ACC Player of the Year, he's probably a sophomore, maybe a freshman, and he's leaving early, right. or he's some. Um, savvy veteran that Hunter Tyson played for six years at Clemson and now in his sixth year or fifth year it comes together for him and he had another double-double shout out to Clemson yeah yeah not a big win had another at, nice game at Virginia Tech so um yeah you mentioned but that's a great question it's something to monitor that the season goes mm -hmm, on definitely and uh, yeah I, believe, I, I don't think I don't think he's there yet, but he is on the path at least. Yeah. I think that can be agreed upon. Sure. Yeah. You mentioned the other thing I wanted to talk about. <laughs> we were telling like, Jack Clark is the best rebounder on the team. <laughs> the second best rebounder, Dushan Mahorsik, who's been out since December sixth. And you're playing the team that not only leads the ACC in rebounding, but by a significant margin, they led the ACC in rebounding. And somehow, I loved your tweet at halftime uh, when you're like, I got nothing. <laughs> um, somehow, NC State, who is not a bad rebounding team. I, I, that's one of the sneaky areas of improvement this year mm -hmm. for NC State. They've actually been a pretty solid rebounding team. But to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Duke and go 38-38 and 
On the offensive glass, despite shooting much better than Duke's shot, and she did have more offensive rebounds than Duke. So I know you had nothing at halftime, but you've gone home, you watched the game, you woke up this morning, you watched the game. So how? <laughs> uh, so honestly, tenacity, I think the grit, I think uh, a guy that deserves his flowers is Greg Gant. Rewatching that game over and over again, it's not pretty what he does. It's definitely nose to the ground. You know, let's get to work. This ain't going to be pretty, but I'm going to do what I can. And he had himself a hell of a night. He filled up the stat sheet. Let me pull up his numbers really quick because I don't I think it. that people gave him enough credit. Yeah, five but, rebounds, three steals, four points. Mm -hmm. two, two blocks, blocks on top yeah. of that, too. So, yeah. yeah, he was a big factor, especially early on. I noticed early on. And I was so surprised at this. And I think all of NC State and Wolfpacker Nation can agree to this. Ted Valentine calling a game, you don't know what you're you don't know what you're gonna get, right? And and we're all expecting DJ to foul out within, you know, five minutes of the game. But no, they actually let him play. They actually let him play a physical game. There was a couple of times in that first five minutes or so where Greg Gant's really fighting for boards, and I'm like, man, in, in, in any other game, this would be three, four, five, six fouls right here. So I was happy to see them let them let them play. I thought Gant starting on top of that, that was an interesting one. I, I know we texted right before tip-off about the lineup. I was a fan of putting DJ at the six-man spot. It just doesn't look so pretty because you don't have Deuce on, right? right. Greg Gant being there was the, the kind of wild card, but he played into his role. He fit what he needed to do. He's a great glue guy that night. Are we going to get this type of play every night? Probably not, honestly. But I will say every single time that he's been on the floor, he's rebounded the ball well, and he's giving you nothing but effort. And if you can give me those two things, then he deserves minutes. Yeah. Um, E.B. E. Dewana doesn't, doesn't look pretty on the stat sheet, but I thought he gave you some good minutes. Uh, really the only big guy that, that – really didn't do much was Ernest Ross, who, who um, unfortunately fouled out. But I just want to give Greg Dan his flowers. He, he did a great job last night. Yeah, Ross fouled out in five minutes and 44 seconds. A couple of those were kind of bad luck fouls. I remember one time going up the court on defense and the Duke player kind of cut in front of him. Uh, mm -hmm. And he got, you know, he had nothing he could do. He had nowhere to, nowhere to go type of situation. But um, – you know, I kind of wonder, uh, you might remember this, is uh, I'm trying to remember the year. It was the second Sweet 16 run that Mark Godfrey had at NC State. He made the difficult decision towards the end of the season. NC State was not really on the bubble yet. And he ended up going with Malika Boo and Leonard Freeman and BJ Anya, kind of a three-man post presence, none of whom at that time were offensive players. And Kyle Washington ended up being the guy who kind of got squeezed out of that rotation. But what it did was it freed up Roston Turner, Trevor Lacey, and Cat Barber to be the scores on the court. And NC State went on a run. They won at Louisville. They won at UNC. They helped UNC to a record low points total in the Dean Dome. Uh, end up going to the Sweet 16, and if Cap Barber hadn't gotten food poisoning, 
up in Syracuse. I think they could have ended up in the Final Four. They had a favorable draw. They lost to Louisville uh, in a back-and-forth game in the Sweet 16. And Barber, you clearly could tell he didn't have his legs. He was still recovering from the bout that he had. Um, Was that the year that Louisville won the whole thing? Oh, no. No, no. They they, – I think they might have lost to Michigan State in the Elite Eight, something like that. But it was from one of the weird – where the one seed had lost, and it was like <laughs> wide open in the Sweet Sixteen, right? But it—that's that, my long-winded saying. You know, sometimes it helps to have a Greg Gant on the court, mm-hmm. who all he does is rebound and defend. I thought he defended really well, and he defends well because he does have some athleticism, he does have some length. He's not skinny, you know. Um, and as you said, it's nothing but 110% hustle on his part. He gives you every ounce of what he has out there. And a lot of times, that's the key to defense. It's just effort. Just put in the effort to play defense. And I kind of wonder if there might be something to having a guy like Gant so that you let Jarkel Joyner and Dequavion Smith cook even more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that was that was my take when Dusan went down. Is all right. You got two great guards. Lean on them a little bit more. You know, you don't necessarily have to go to them all the time, but you know, lean on them a little bit more. And like you said, putting Gant in that starting rotation, it it's not necessarily a empty hole at a spot because he does things well. But I agree. Like putting him in there will allow the floor to open up a little bit more. It'll allow a little bit more focal point on your guys that you want to be taking shots. Um, like I said, I really like DJ coming off the bench, but it's it's a tough ask when Dusan's not there. It's it's a catch twenty two situation, honestly. Yeah, and Burns they were able to, you know, if the game had been close, that could have been a dicey situation because second straight game Burns had his minutes limited with fouls. I thought Dewana in both games, by the way, stepped up against Clemson mm-hmm. and against uh, Duke. And uh, like you said, four points, five rebounds, one block shot. Yeah, that's not a a great day at the office. But, you know, he's going up against the rotating doors of uh, seven-footers that Duke was able to throw into there. And that's pretty good against against Duke. Let me ask you, so what blow hit worse, the Jack Clark news or the Ted Valentine news? Because we tweeted them out about 15 minutes apart from each other. And it was, very, it was a pretty humorous reaction on, on Twitter. Yeah. No, I like I said, Wolfpack ain't for soft people. Uh, you lose your best rebounder right before the game, and then you, you hear the, the boogeyman that is Ted Valentine <laughs> is, <laughs> is waiting behind the door. No, it's got to be Jack Clark, man. Refs are going to blow whistles. You know, fouls are going to happen. But losing Jack Clark is big. I, I'm interested to see how they answer – going to Virginia Tech, who has now lost three games in a row uh, by 10 points combined. So if I'd have to put my money on it, it's not looking great for NC State right now, especially after such an emotional win. Um, that's going to be a tough one to overcome. Who who fits into that wing position? I know that we talked about on a couple of pods before. The wing depth was already thin, and now it's who do you have kind of situation. You don't so have a wing, If he can really. get back. Yeah, exactly. And I spoke with him after the game, and he seems like he's in good spirits. So hopefully he can uh, he can get back here soon. 
Yeah, really. I mean, you really you got a bunch of guards and a bunch of forwards. You really don't have a wing at all. I mean, yeah. A, and Luckily, Casey Marcel is shooting so extremely well. And rebounded well that. last night. Nine rebounds for Marcel. Led the team. Yep. And so, interestingly, Kevin Keith was doing something you were kind of arguing about. Well, he said he was. If it wasn't that if they had not been playing Duke, he would have started L.J. Thomas and gone four guards. Um, so we'll see what he chooses to do at Virginia Tech. Do you want to mess with something that worked so well the first time you tried it? Or do you go with your original instincts? What would you do? Well, I think for when you're I, – I like what he said. When you're playing Duke, you got to be a little bit more physical. But Virginia Tech's going to let that thing fly. If you're going to try to outshoot them, good luck. Um, I think they're due for a big game here, but they've got a nice inside presence. I would, I would probably go with the LJ Thomas route just because I don't think lightning will strike twice type of situation. Um, not to say we can't get that type of play from, uh, from EB and Gantt again, but they played their part so perfectly. Um, it's going to be hard to ask anybody to, to do that type of play again. So I would go with the LJ Thomas route, see if it works. And if it doesn't go ahead and switch it up, but you got to be quick with it. You can't, you can't just live and die by the small guard rotation. So Keats is going to have to make some in-game adjustments if uh, things aren't kicking off. Right. Yeah. I remember Virginia Tech does, they're not a real deep team. They do start, uh, Grant Basile, who I believe is a transfer from Wright State, right? Didn't... Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he was part of that Wright State team that did upset NC State and PNC Arena. But that ended up being a pretty decent Wright State team by the end of the year and made the NCAA tournament. Yes, it was. Um, and then they also play uh, Justin Much, who is very much that rugged, versatile, six foot seven, energetic, high motor. Yeah forward uh who's not afraid to be physical so mm-hmm. that's kind of where you have to look at that matchup do you want to you want a guy like casey morsell guarding a justin much who's not afraid to get down on the post or do you do you take the chance I, that's it's a good question um you know virginia tech has lost three in a row the loss at boston college is a bad one no excuses there they did lose it in overtime but the last two games have begun work for us on the road and Clemson at home, and they lost by a combined five points. In addition to losing the overtime to BC. So three-game losing streak in all three games, they could have easily had one. Yeah. So it's an important game. I'm gonna ask you this. How do you how do you think NC State responds? Because it's a little tidbit for you. The only other time NC State had a larger margin of victory against an ACC team was 2017 that was ranked, a ranked ACC team, was 2017 against Virginia Tech. Dennis Smith went off for a triple-double, beat him by 27 points. That game doesn't count anymore, so I guess last night technically tied the record for the largest win over a ranked ACC team. Uh, You know what happened the next time NC State played? Do you? What's up? They went to mm-hmm. Chapel Hill. 
They're gonna ah, be- that game. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the game that doesn't count, right? <laughs> does not count anymore. No, it does Thank not. Thank God, it does not count. <laughs> <laughs> so, how does NC State avoid? Um, for those who do not know, I, you want, might want to cover your ears. NC State went to Chapel Hill and lost one hundred seven to fifty six. Yeah, that's 51 points for those who can't do the math. Um, so, how does NC State avoid? I don't think they're going to lose by 50 points to Virginia Tech, but how do you avoid a letdown on Saturday? Oh, man, it, you know, it's 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 one of those games that it's kind of it's on a pedestal for Virginia Tech. You're you're on a three game losing streak of very very close games. Like you said, the BC losses, um, you just can't have that. Uh, so. You have this emotional win. I'm a believer that emotional wins do have some type of hangover effect. I don't necessarily know if uh, both Jarkel and Terquavion are going to come out like they did against Duke. I mean, they, they outscored Duke by themselves in the first half. And <laughs> and the, the trio of Burns, Smith, and Terquavion outscored Duke for the entire game. So do I see that happening again? Probably not. Virginia Tech is a very tough place to play in. Uh, let's see. They went to Clemson on the road. I believe that's their only ACC road game. Who, oh, BC? Um, Virginia Tech? No, NC, NC State. That, and Miami. Clemson was there. And Miami. And Miami. That's right. And Miami. Well, looking at the track record, uh, <laughs> giving up 17-point lead and then playing the way you did against Clemson. As long as they can play into their strengths, don't don't reverse back to this ISO ball. Like you did something that worked, now go do it again. Um, I I think we can beat Virginia Tech. I do think Virginia Tech is still a good team. They just had a little bit of bad luck. Being shorthanded isn't necessarily a bad thing when you're playing a Virginia Tech team, like you said, that only plays seven or eight guys anyways. So both teams are already going to be shorthanded. I believe it's going to be a three-ball matchup. I think we're going to see a lot of threes. So if we're we're hitting threes, great. Uh, But like you said, DJ Burns has to stay out of foul trouble. Only played in 16 minutes, still had a great game, but definitely could have played more had he not been in foul trouble. Um, I'm interested to see what that starting lineup looks like. Uh, if, if it's if it's what we've been seeing where DJ Burns is back into the starting lineup, that's going to be something to monitor. Can he sustain himself and get out of foul trouble or stay out of foul trouble? Um, and, and I hate to, to kind of dumb it down or water it down, but Jarkel and, and Smith, I mean, those two guys are, are going to be our backbone. Keith said it after the game, we're going to be as good as you guys are. And so if they're hitting, NC State's hitting. Uh, if one of them is hitting, then cross your fingers. <laughs> yeah, Virginia Tech, to your point, what you said about three-point shooting, they got five guys who've made double-digit threes this year. They got three guys who have made 27 or more threes uh, this year. That's in 15 games. So that, that that that's a pretty healthy – I mean, that's three guys that are on pace to have probably 60 made three-pointers this year. And that includes the big guy, Grant Basile. He's made a 31 of 76 three-pointers. So that'll be a very interesting matchup. That's a 40.8% three-point percentage. 
Um, can DJ Bones guard him away from because he's going to have to guard him away from the basket? Um, can he move his feet you know, and avoid foul trouble in that situation? So, um, and maybe couldn't Bones get Basile in foul trouble because that could be a difference maker mm-hmm. as well. So, how long those two guys can stay on the court will be very interesting. So, last question for you, Matt. You know, I've been looking at it. What do you think this means for for you personally? What did it do for entry state? And you start thinking March. Um, does it still to me it feels a little bit more real. After we talked about this, probably needed to win two of the next three, or at least two quad one games here in January when you had them loaded up. Last night wasn't a must win. I saw some people say they had to they had to win that game. That's not a must win. I'm not even sure Duke will remain a quad one game by the end of the season. I could see a double digit loss Duke team this year right. based on what I saw last night. So, um, but what is it like? I guess how do you feel? It's never too early to talk March. It's only two months away. <laughs> right. Well, okay. So it definitely wasn't a must win. Uh, but it was a win that in a couple of months we're going to look back on. And the great thing about the quadrants is that quality wins doesn't necessarily compute. If you're a quad one win, then you're a quad one win. It doesn't matter if you beat Kansas um, a couple months ago or Duke now. Right now it's a quad one win, and that's all that matters. I, I agree with you that I think that that could be a fringe quad two, quad one win. But – Regardless, you defended home court, and he did so in very convincing fashion. You got the easy part out of the way. You got your one good win that you can kind of hang your hat on for now. Now comes the hard part. You're going to Virginia Tech. You're playing Miami. You got Carolina um, around the corner. We said you got to win two of the next three. All right, you got one out of the way. All right, you beat Virginia at Virginia Tech. At Virginia Tech would be a very, very big win. I don't think necessarily getting swept by Miami is a bad thing. I mean, they look like they're probably the best team in the conference, um, in my opinion. And so I don't necessarily think it was a a must win. But in terms of something you can kind of hang your hat on, then, yes, that aspect, it's a must win. Because right now their best win was Furman. You know, that's not really something to go home and brag about. It's a good win. It's a good win but nothing to go home and, and really brag about just yeah. yet. Don't forget Dayton and Butler. And, uh, Dayton and Butler's not, definitely not bad. Definitely a good resume builder for, for quad two games. Again, I just think you're, you were missing that, that name brand win, oh, yeah. and now you yeah. got it. And so um, will it carry over to March is the question. We're kind of now having a root for Duke um, in a weird way. Yeah. So, um, And also, what kind of helped entry date – a little bit of Dayton seems to maybe be showing signs of figuring it out, or maybe they're just playing a really easy part of their schedule. I don't know, <laughs> but they have been climbing up the net ranking. They're now 67th, and if they get to 50, um, that puts them in quad one. So, those are the things you got to think about right now. If you're NC State, until NC State plays itself off the bubble, one way or the other, you start thinking Duke win. Don't, don't lay an egg at Boston College Saturday. Figure out your whole road roads and beat BC. Dayton, start rolling. Keep rolling. Move it on up. Butler, win the Big East games. They're supposed to win. Stay in that quiet. I mean, I don't think it's realistic to expect Butler to roll in the Big East and 
get to a quad one, but win the ones you're supposed to win and get stay in that quad two. Vanderbilt, win some games, you know, get into quad two. Um, stuff like that. That's what you're pulling for uh, from here on out. So, But the, the most important thing I would say is that's fun, right? It wasn't fun last year when you're in January and February. Yeah, you didn't even have a reason to look up the net rankings. Right. Uh, now you do. Well, at least for a little while. At least for a few more weeks. Yep. You do. Yep. Now longer. you just got to avoid those ugly losses. I mean, that that kind of more so what I take from this game. You know, yeah. you, you drop one to Georgia Tech coming up. I mean, this this win doesn't matter. So <laughs> you got you to avoid those ugly ones. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and that's where February gets tough because – yeah, if you can do your job in January, then it becomes distressful. Uh, don't blow it in February because you're not really in a position to enhance yourself too much, but you could hurt yourself. So, all right, Matt, it's been fun. Saturday, 7.30, RSN Affiliates. If you want to watch the Virginia Tech game in Blacksburg, um, full day of ACC basketball, I think, Saturday. Big I saw somebody, somebody tipping off at 11.30 and another one at 1. So, a lot of ACT basketball on Saturday. So, uh, follow Matt Coe at underscore Matt Coe on Twitter. We are at the Wolfpacker. Reminder, you can watch this podcast on YouTube, the Wolfpacker YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Wolfpacker. Follow us on Facebook, um, the Wolfpacker. Um you can also listen to the podcast wherever you listen to them. Um, please rate, review, comment, do whatever you have to do. And uh, sign up for the website. Put a good deal, $29.99 for the next seven, eight months. You know, we've had better deals. So the deals may not keep coming. Um, so this might be your last chance to kind of hop aboard and sign up for one of these good deals. Uh, and last but not least, please check out Rogue Shop. Dot com. They've been great, uh, great, wonderful supporters of the Wolfpacker podcast. Uh, I can really help you with your uh, some of your anxiety or, or uh, chronic pain or sleep deprivation with their uh, natural, legal cannabis supplements. So please check them out. So uh, for Matt Coe, I'm Matt Carter. It's been MC Squared. See you next time.